The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about Thrive Fantasy. Great daily fantasy options, but it's prop bets. It's not building lineups, nothing like that. Super simple. They got NBA, they got NFL, they got... PGA off now. MLB is back in full force in the second half. It's awesome. You pick 10 prop bets and two ice bets in case the other guys don't play that day. It's really cool. It's like Vegas. If it's a plus money play in Vegas, it's worth more points on the prop bets. The guys with the most points at the end win. It's a totally fun way to do it. It changes on the daily. So you don't have to worry about building lineups, ownership, nothing like that. It's really, really cool. And you use promo code SD Sports when you make your first $10 or more deposit and you get a free $10. Free $10. All you got to do. That simple. Thrive Fantasy in your app store. Go check them out. Promo code SD Sports. Really cool way to play daily fantasy sports. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. Would help the podcast out a ton and it'll take a couple minutes out of your time. Now, to Bench with Bubba, episode 190 with the not Burt Reynolds Nick of Rotoballer and Pitcherless talking fantasy baseball. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 190 gonna talk some more fantasy baseball as we head into the weekend action and talk about some recent mlb news some uh, players that have been hot cold or just interesting players all around in order to do so got a special guest you can find him on twitter at not burt reynolds nick how we doing man i'm doing great bubba thanks for having me yeah thanks for joining me uh before we get rocking and rolling here I want everybody to know where they can find your work, what you got going on, and how they can reach you. Yeah, uh, so I am mainly uh, affiliated with right uh, contributor at rotorballer.com, and I am recently brought on at pitcherlist.com, and I uh, I started with uh, Brad Johnson, who writes for Fancrafts and Roto World, I believe, and I think a couple other places, but. 
he brought me on to write some whimsical things for his Patreon account and then uh, basically told me that he could open some doors other places and he has opened those doors. So now, yeah, uh, mostly Rotoballer and Pitcher List. Uh, and then you can always find me on Twitter, like you mentioned. And yeah, that's about it right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it'll be fun to get chat for a little bit as uh, baseball season's, you know, about two thirds of the way through or so. We'll go over some recent news right now. Adalberto Mondesi hits the IL with shoulder, shoulder supplementation. He doesn't think it's too bad, but you never know with a guy like this. Uh, it's not ideal by any means. Um, if you're a Mondesi owner, how are you kind of approaching the situation? Uh, well, for one, I am a Mondesi owner. <laughs> as far as my uh, uh, home league goes that I tend to pay the most attention to, uh, I am not that concerned right now. Uh, that will probably change in the next few days we find out more of the severity of the injury because as far as these partially dislocated shoulders goes, we kind of have a wide range of outcomes. You know, we have on one end, Corey Bellinger, who earlier this year popped his, you know, quote, in and out on May 3rd, was back by the 5th playing and has been Cody Bellinger since, uh, just crushing the ball. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have, Michael Conforto, who did the same thing on a swing a couple of years ago in 2017, had that surgery missed the rest of the year. And then Jesse Winker again this year. You know, uh, he supposedly been playing with the injury for two to three years. And then finally on July 4th, they shut it down. He's having surgery. He's done for the year. Uh, so with the shoulder dislocations, it's just – it's it's really a wait-and-see game for the first few days, at least, to see what kind of problem you're dealing with. But with Mondesi, you uh, you know, I'm, you, you hope that it's more closer to the Cody Bellinger and that we'll see him back in a few weeks and uh, continuing the least human basis. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, is in, in a world of baseball we, we live in now where stolen bases are so few and far between, losing a guy like this is, 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 is really rough. Assuming you own them, you're probably doing okay in stolen bases to begin with. But to uh, hold on and take care of business there, losing him for a bit could get interesting. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, hopefully it's not too bad. Like I said, he doesn't think it's too bad, but most players don't ever think it's too bad until they try to start picking up activities again, and then it gets quite yeah. interesting. So we'll see on that one. Let's go to another young stud in the AL Central, Eloy Jimenez. We've been waiting for him to really – get it going this year. He's, he's shown signs of life, but he's now on the IL with the right ulnar nerve contusion. Uh, anything involving a nerve always kind of concerns me a little more than others. Um, they called up Brian Goings, not a big uh, hefty hitter, even though he did go yard last night. But uh, you look at a guy like Eloy, he's been up and down this year. How are you approaching that situation? Uh, once again, really disappointed. Uh, I own him on the same league I mentioned earlier with Mondesi. And like you said, he has been up and down this year. Uh, you know, the first, you know, his first, his first 34 games, 33 games before June 1st, you know, not up to expectation, you know, a 220 batting average, only six home runs, 75 WRC plus. But since June 1st, he has been everything that we expected uh, out of the hype and out of the contract that the White Sox gave him before the season. You know, 34 games, batting 270, 11 home runs, 24 runs. 26 RBIs uh, that paces out to some really nice numbers over a course of a full year. So, you know, going into this injury, 
Eloy owners are going, this is the guy I drafted. This is what I was expecting. And then he has a run-in with Charlie Tilson and doesn't really look like much of anything. It looks like Tilson gets the worst of it, you know, smacking his face on Eloy's giant shoulder. And then he comes out shaking his arm. He's got this ulnar nerve contusion. And like you, they say it's not a big deal, but I'm going to be concerned on nerve things until they tell me it's not. So once again, hoping, uh, you know, uh, they say that it's going to be at least 10 days if there's a lot of soreness. But same with Mondesi, we're not getting a ton of information right now. And we can just hope that it's a short stay. Yeah, I was hoping it's a short stay with some of these teams like the Royals and the White Sox that are pretty much out of it. They have real no incentive to uh, bring them back anytime soon. So no rushing it back type stuff, which kind of sucks. Uh, let's go to the Pittsburgh Pirates here. This one's interesting because Gregory Polanco had to, um, you know, he's been out most of the year. He's had a couple highlighted moments, but overall pretty lackluster. He's going to, he was rehabbing right now to try to come back later this year. Now he's back on, the, or they stopped his rehab essentially. So now we don't even know if, when we're going to get him back. For me, I've pretty much written him off for the season. How are you assessing Gregory Polanco? Uh, I'm I, I'm probably done with Gregory Polanco until he proves that he is a good hitter again. It's, you know, between, you know, he hurts his shoulder last summer, had surgery, uh, misses, you know, starts the year on the IL, comes back at the end of April and is not impressive at all in his 42 games. You know, six home runs, 23 runs. An 88 WRC plus, only batting 240, uh, just beyond not impressive. And then, you know, obviously he was still having some lingering shoulder problems, goes back on the IL. Like you said, there's no timetable for his return. And once he does come back, uh, you know, where, what is his playing time going to be? He's not going to take any of Starling Marte's. Uh, Brian Reynolds just continues to hit out of his world. I don't think he's going anywhere. And in left field, you have Corey Dickerson, who is basically putting up the same numbers as Polanco has this year, batting 276 with 12 runs and 19 RBI. So Polanco, we don't know when he's coming back, and even when he comes back, I'm not sure how much I'm rushing the roster. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun come next season when everyone's hype pieces come out for probably the fourth straight year about Oh, wait, he's healthy. Gregory Polanco, the next best thing in the outfield. We do this song and dance all over again because I, I, can, I, I can already see it now. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be a bit fun. And every year it ends the same way in disappointment and injury. Yeah, he always shows that like one or two weeks of just domination. You get your hopes up and then boom goes to dynamite. All right, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, this is a, a sucky one. Matt Carpenter, he was banged up like a month ago, came back. We thought he was good. Some people were hoping he'd have that renaissance he had last year, which I wasn't holding out that hope. But uh, he's back on the I.L. with right foot contusion now. The dude just can't stay healthy. People forget he's 33 years old, for crying out loud. But uh, similar to Plonk, I'm not completely riding Carpenter off, but I'm pretty much done with him. What's your thoughts with Carpenter? Uh, kind of the same with Polanco. And, uh, you know, this pains me to say as a Cardinals fan living in St. Louis, uh, but Matt Carpenter isn't very good anymore. And it's not just this year. You know, everyone remembers his great renaissance last year, but they kind of forget that he was really, really bad in September. You know, batted 170, had one home run, a 74, 074 ISO, 
38-7, hard contact, just very bad. And then he starts out 2019, and he's the exact same player as he was there. And you look back at those numbers from 17, 18, and 19, and it looks more like 18 was the outlier as far as, like, stat casting measures go. Is barrel rate in 2017, 18.2. Barrel in 2018, 13.7. 19 is right back down even lower than 2017 at 7.7%. Same with the hard contact. Forget about the 44% from last year. He's not even at the 37% he was at in 2017. His exit velos keep dropping. All his numbers keep dropping. He can't stay healthy. I am very disappointed as a Cardinals fan, but I just I I don't know what to expect when he comes back. But I just don't see the big renaissance coming again this year. Yeah, I'm with you there. I uh, I did uh, I screwed up and dropped him last year and missed the renaissance, and I'm not going to try to go back and grab it this year. It's just not it's not happening for me. Uh, you mentioned Cardinals, and you're a Cardinals fan. I got a couple Cardinals questions for you here. Um, All right. Tyler O'Neill, everyone loves him because he's buff and, you know, suns out and guns out and does his thing. But he's actually dropping bombs of late and playing pretty well. What do you think of him kind of going forward the rest of the way? I have been pleasantly surprised at – we've always known that he's got, you know, he's got the light tower power. Uh, but coming in and these past couple games, is every time you turn around, Tyler O'Neill is hitting another massive home run. And, you know, he had two against Pittsburgh a couple nights ago. He had another one last night. Uh, I think that puts him at five on the year and just 90 plate appearances. Uh, he does have a 40% K rate. And uh, I, that's always been in his profile. I don't think that's going anywhere. Uh, you hope to get it to something more manageable. But for right now, he's hitting with so much power that, you know, a, one, a 131 WRT plus, 233 ISO, that you kind of forgive the cage right now. And with the Cardinals offense, and I can get more into this if you want, but the Cardinals offense is really, really, really bad. Uh, and so right now, I'll take anything I can get from anyone, and that includes Ty- riding Tyler O'Neill until he stops hitting bombs. Yeah, and that's why I was curious, because he was kind of a, a semi-popular ad this last week, and like TGFBI and whatnot, and it's kind of been mixed reviews on the thoughts of Tyler O'Neill, but like you said, that Cardinals offense is it's so bad right now, and it just makes you wonder what you're going to kind of get whatever you can. Because my next question was for a guy like Paul DeYoung, who I was a big Paul DeYoung guy going into the season. He started out the year making me look like a darn genius, and now it's like he can't figure out how to hit a baseball again, and it's quite concerning to me. He's dropped down to seventh in the lineup as we record on Thursday. He was hitting at the top of the order, middle of the order, pretty much all year. Do we have any um, like reasoning or thoughts to what's wrong with him? Are there hopes he's coming back? What do you what are you thinking? You know, I think that you know that was disappointing to see him drop down in the lineup. You know, he's batted second or third literally year. Uh, like you said, he has just suddenly forgotten how to hit a baseball, and I don't have a lot of long concerns because you know we now have a you know what three-year track record of Paul's young being pretty good and he keeps improving. And like I said, in the Cardinals offense, when you, you can't just abandon one of your 
better hitters you've had after a bad streak because even with his bad streak, he's still better than most of the Cardinals trying to hit the ball. Yeah, that's so, so true. Um, what do you think you, you hear a lot of St. Louis media and whatnot? The latest rumors of, you know, they moved Carlos Martinez to the bullpen. He's getting saves. Uh, there's a chance he gets dealt now. If he gets dealt, who do you have closing there? <laughs> I don't know. A trade from for Will Smith? I You can have him. Yeah, they uh, there's there's been those rumors for you know really since the beginning of the season that the Cardinals had an eye on him. I think he would be a fit. Uh, but besides that, I Cardinals bullpen's been good. Uh, it hasn't been great. Um, it's as far as rumors go into town, uh, everyone is, <laughs> and anyone that's in St. Louis can kind of appreciate this. Everyone has kind of started. Uh, really panicking uh even you know come out of the break playing a little bit better but everyone is in we need this full tilt we need to trade this we need to trade that we need bullpen we need that and it's just kind of all over the place um i don't like if we could get will smith for uh you know not a whole lot i would i would love that i think it's to solidify the position a little bit but once again, there's not a lot of confidence in the Cardinals going forward, and it really pains me to say that. Yeah, no, I see that being a quite interesting there. Like you were saying, it's kind of a mess overall situation. Another kind of messy situation. I can kind of relate to you this year as a Giants fan. We're both kind of in this kind of conundrum of we used to be really good, and now we just can't figure out how to get out of our own way these days. Um, when you look at your starting rotation, Jack Flaherty, people are having hopes of being the next big thing. And it's been, he's been pretty good at home. Hasn't figured it out on the road. Lefties have gotten to him. Are you, are you hoping he figures like, are, are, do you think there's signs he's figuring things out? Cause he's been a little better of late, but there's still been those blowups that get you quite concerned. Yeah. I, I'm a big Flaherty believer. You know, I was one of those people that going into this year, was, you know, he got overshadowed. Uh, you know, he finished fifth in the NL Rookie of the Year, but he got overshadowed by guys named Acuna and Soto and Walker Bueller. Uh, but then kind of the offseason came along and he built up a lot of steam when people realized just how good he was and just how good his slider was. And so people were expecting that next, you know, that next step that Blake Snell and Patrick Corbin took over the past couple of years. And this year has just uh, – his K rate is still great. Um, he has decreased his slider usage inexplicably in favor of more fastballs, and that has just not really worked out for him. Uh, he, he Besides, you mentioned his problem with left-handers is one of the big problems has been his curveball. And – Last year, in 2018, it was a dominant pitch and had a 53% K rate against left-handers with a 70% usage and a 0.0% barrel rate, uh, which is insane. But then this year, you know, they did what you think would be the right thing. They increased the usage of the curveball from 17 to 21% to left-handers, and something is off because it is getting destroyed. 
it went from a 53% K rate down to a 15% K rate and now has a 10.2% barrel rate. So he is throwing that curveball to left-handers and it is doing smack. And when you combine that with, once again, I don't know why the, the slider usage has dropped. Uh, it's been his best pitch by far and it's, it's, it dropped in favor of the, the fastball and why not as bad is curveball, the fastball is uh, just okay when it's not being played up by that 30% slider usage. Yeah, that's just so bizarre why these guys, and it's not just Jack Flaherty, it's many of these pitchers, especially younger pitchers, that continue to mess with the pitch mix when something's already working just fine. It's it's confusing to me in this era of StatCast and all these other tools we have to utilize, you know, Rapsodo and everything to show the different ways to, to you know, set up batters and tunnel and all that stuff why these guys mess with it and they're smarter than i am so they obviously have some reasons behind it but it's just confusing like Eno Saras tweeted out today that eduardo rodriguez pretty much dropped the slider since he started pitching consistently good like two months ago he's throwing more of a cutter and more change-ups and he's been like dominant all of a sudden so his pitch makes change for the good where jack had something working phenomenally like you said he was just overshadowed last year because of the buellers and the acunas of the world flaherty was an elite pitcher last year like really really good so it's kind of confusing to know exactly what's going on there. Um, all right, let's get back to some news. I can go on tangents all day long, but um, let's get back to uh, recent news. Uh, Brennan Rogers of the Colorado Rockies, many were hoping to see him do something very, very important this year. Now he goes out for the rest of the year as he has having shoulder surgery, and it kind of came up out of nowhere, and he is done for the year. So, um if you're, say, in a keeper dynasty league, what are you doing with a guy like Brendan Rodgers? Uh, being really bummed out. You know, he's, you know, he's uh, for a couple years now, he's, you know, the, the can't-miss shortstop prospect that's going to come up to hit at Coors and just destroy. And, you know, first you're dealing with the, the front office management staff, obviously hating fantasy players. They are not going to bring up the prospects you want them to bring up when you want them to bring up. And uh, and Rodgers has just been another one of those. And still, skills haven't changed. Uh, you know, he started in the minors this year. He had 37 games, class 350, 413, 622, nine home runs, 34 runs, uh, all great numbers. Comes up to the big club, 25 games, and is not great. You know, batting 224, no home runs, uh, 33% K rate, and 25 WRC plus. And if I'm a dynasty dynasty owner, it, you can try and get something for him. Uh, I don't know how much you're going to get, seeing that he's a he hasn't really performed at the major league level, and now he has surgery for a label tear, and you have no idea when the power is going to come back if the Rockies will play him and win. So as a dynasty owner, I'm, I guess I try to get something out of him. Uh, anything, any sort of asset, uh, you know, just hoping to trade off his name a little bit more. But I think that's kind of a, that's a hard position to go into the off season, depending on how many, you know, what kind of roster crunch you're dealing with. You know, if, if you can't get rid of him, do you want to keep a guy who just had major shoulder surgery? Yeah, no, and that's that's the big question, and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how 
the rehab goes, hopefully, you, you know, most dynasty owners don't have to make decisions until like next February or March or something. But because this guy was like you were talking about, everything we saw in the minors has been this elite upper end prospect. Never really got it going in the bigs, but I want to give him like a grain of salt there because it's the Rockies doing Rocky things and not yeah. letting their stud young players play. It's like Pat Vileka was playing over Brendan Rodgers. It's like if you're going to call the kid up, play the kid. So I don't know. It's very frustrating, but I'm with you because that, that kind of shoulder labrum surgery deal, that's not good. That's not good at all. That's going to take a couple of years to bounce back from. Absolutely. All right. Another tough, tough or kind of confusing, I guess, situation. Like he wasn't producing out of this world of late in the bigs, but you're the Texas Rangers. He's already up. He's had five homers on the year hitting 277. He's got nothing else to prove in the minors, but they still sent Willie Calhoun back to the minors. Apparently they think that they are close enough and you know viable enough in the wild card that they're going for it because, heck, they've even had rumors of sending – Ronald Guzman, Nomar Mazzara, and Rudnit Odor down to the minors. So keep an eye on that if you own those guys. But Willie Calhoun is back in the minors. If you're a Calhoun owner, do you hold and just hope he comes back, or are you dropping him? Uh, I, I I have him in TGF, and I'll be holding him because I spent way too much fab on him uh, in, in a quest to get some power. But uh, in a re, in a just a normal redraft, I don't know if I'm holding him. Uh, I mean, it depends on your other options, but like you said, he hasn't exactly blown things up in his 26 game at the majors, but he's got five home runs. He's at 277. He's only got a 19% K rate. And more importantly, just putting the numbers aside is why I find it so inexplicable that they send them down is like they know who they're dealing with. This is the Willie Calhoun that last year who – went on mental tilt after he didn't make the club out of spring training and apparently didn't try very hard in the minors and, and cop to that. And, you know, supposed to come in this year with a, a brand new attitude and do whatever it comes to the team. And he's been fine. He was fine in the minors before he called up, you know, uh, and then now they send him back down and you read the quotes from him and it's, I'm speechless. I was completely caught off guard. I've done everything they've asked. I don't understand this, but I'm going to go to Nashville and do what I can to help the team win. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's a dicey situation because you don't know how he's going to respond to the emotion. You don't know when the Rangers are going to call him back up. Uh, it, it was just a, a confusing move for me as well. Yeah, when I saw those quotes that you just mentioned there, that's when it really stood out to me like, oh, this might be a little deeper than we know because we both kind of agree there's really nothing else to prove here. We've seen what he does. This is who he is. You need to play this kid or you need to get rid of him, basically. So that's where I'm kind of thinking now is when the Dodgers traded him, we thought, okay, they got a big-end prospect, but why are the Dodgers getting rid of him? Maybe they knew something we didn't know. Um, And then now you see the Rangers. Maybe they're sending him down going, okay, we're just going to deal this kid. We can't handle it anymore. Someone's going to give him a shot to try something out. We'll see how it goes and move on from there. But it's weird because the talent's there. We've seen it there. It's up and down, but he's a young kid. We see up and down with young kids all the time. They got to work through the downs to get, you know, consistently good. Uh, They're not all, heck, even Mike Trout started out rough. But um, it's going to be interesting with Willie Calhoun because those comments did strike a nerve with me again. They weren't nearly as bad as they were in previous events but they weren't ideal by any means. So it'd be real interesting to see what happens in Texas. And keep an eye, like I said, 
there's reports coming out that they're real close to sending some other guys down that could, or at least on people's fantasy teams like in TGFBI and whatnot, that can make things very, very interesting for this stretch run where there's not a lot of depth out there anymore. Yeah, very true. All right, San Francisco Giants is hits close to home. They're actually winning baseball games, unfortunately, because they need to keep selling. But they're winning baseball games. Evan Longoria has been on an absolute tear, finally doing something in the year and a half. He's been wearing orange and black. And then he goes on the I.L. with plantar fasciitis. So but the question I have for you is we know who Evan Longoria is. He just got picked up in a lot of leagues over the last week or so. If you're in a deep league, are you holding on to Evan? Or are you like, you know what? I had my chance. He's on the I.L. I'm moving on. If I'm in a deep league and I have the roster room to afford it, I am holding on to him uh, and hoping, you know, they're, you know, they're saying he's hoping to be back on a field in two weeks, uh, no later than four weeks. You hope that's the timetable. He, like you said, he's been on absolute fire. Uh, in July, he had a 400 batting average, six home runs. Uh, uh, four, uh, since the beginning, you're a 44.7 hard contact rate that's the, the highest of his career. And I, I think you got a whole, like you said, um, unless you need the roster space. In a deeper league, I'm holding on to Longoria for now and uh, maybe picking up Solano <laughs> since he has also been on fire for your Giants lately. Yeah, no, that's actually a very interesting one that the to uh, Solano has been sneaky good, like really sneaky good. So, yeah, that's definitely an option that one could approach in deeper leagues or NL-only type leagues. All right, let's talk about some different players. I, I picked some that you've written about in recent weeks and some that have either hot or cold or just kind of interesting names to discuss. Uh, we already discussed Jack Flaherty, and there's a lot to uh, keep digging in with on him. But let's go with Jake Bowers of the Cleveland Indians, you know, in the offseason, dealt over from the Tampa Bay Rays. People had high hopes this would be the, the chance he needed. It's been a very wonky year for him. 238 average, 11 home runs on the year, 398 slug, 303 Woba. There were higher expectations than this. What are you seeing when you dove into to Jake Bowers? What caught your eye? Uh, the overall, just the uh, not going to hurt you in a lot of categories. Uh, I was very upset in TGFBI when he got sniped from me uh, a couple a couple picks before me. Uh, I instead took Carlos Santana. So I am obviously very happy with the result of that. Uh, but, you know, you hope that you got a little bit of power from him. You got some counting stats, and he'll throw in some stolen bases for you, too. Uh, like you said, that did not really come to fruition, but he has been better you know, like, since the beginning of June. He's got six home runs, 14 runs, 17 RBI, still no stolen bases. And he's got his average up 272 at, you know, 333 WOBA. These are all good numbers. Uh, he's hitting the ball a lot harder. But it's uh, – He's going to sit against most lefties, and with the kind of just roster, uh, not issues, but just kind of mix in Cleveland, he's, he's going to lose playing time here and there. And so right now, he's in, he's an above-average hitter. He's been much more worth owning the past month or two since he was in the spring when everyone who drafted him so early was just uh, – ready to just hate drop him. Uh, so he's coming out of his funk, but, you know, he's still, even with the improved numbers over the past, you know, over the past couple months, he's still striking out at close to a 30% rate. 
and he's going to need to improve that if he wants to stay in the lineup. Yeah, it, it has been better of late. It's still, I'd love to see more power and speed, like consistency with him. I think pretty much everybody would. But um, there is a lot to like with Jake Bowers. If he's available on your on your waiver wire, what kind of league would you have to be in to go grab him right now? Uh, I'm pre- I'm probably grabbing him in uh, a 12 team league, uh, 10 team league. I'm not going to worry about, but 12 or 15 team league. Uh, you know, he's got multi position eligibility. Like I said he's been he's been coming out of it lately. He's sitting on the waiver, and uh, you know, I got some junk on my corner infield or in my outfield, I'm probably going to take a flyer on him and see if this, see if the improvement continues and that we start getting the, start getting the Bowers that we were supposed to get coming in. Yeah. No, I think that's worth a flyer because, you know, deeper leagues, we're probably dealing with other kind of rough stuff on the wire. He might have more upside if he gets it going. So I like that call there. Let's go to Minnesota. Miguel Sano is the guy before the season I wrote about finally having that year we've all hoped for. Then he goes and gets hurt yet again. So, yeah, that was fun while it lasted. But he's back. He's hitting 233, 13 homers, still striking out over 39% of the time. There are signs of life, though, with Miguel Sano. What were you seeing when you looked at Miguel Sano? Uh, honestly, a top 50 hitter since he came back, uh, sneakily. Uh, I mean, as far as you mentioned the 13 home runs, uh, since he came back on – you know, May 16th, he's played 40 games. Those 13 home runs are tied for seventh most in baseball. His RBI and run totals aren't insane, but they're both in the top 50 for batters over that period. And right now, he's not that Miguel Sano would ever think about playing 162 games, but his numbers in 40 games are pacing out the 46 home runs, 100, 100 runs scored, and 86 RBI. And he is in the middle of a power, or not in the middle, he's towards the end of a powerful Minnesota lineup. I, 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 it surprised me that he's still uh, disavailable, but at the same time, his 2018 was such a flaming pile of garbage that I just don't think people are looking at Sano. But I think they're going too soon because eventually uh, the numbers are going to, you know, he's, Looking now, he's got a 51% hard hit rate this year, which is 6% higher than his career high, his last good year. Uh, so I like to know uh, if, if he's available, I'm definitely grabbing him. I, I, if I need a corner infielder, like I mentioned before, I'd rather have him than uh, Bowers, certainly. Uh, and I think that if he continues to stay healthy, that, that ownership is just going to keep creeping up. Yeah, I think you're right there because as he gets healthy – the power is there, and it's not always easy to find power this late in the year, and especially in a lineup, like you said, in Minnesota, which I think will come in handy in a big, big way. You know, you look at um, Fantasy Pros, they show that he's less than 30% owned in Yahoo and ESPN leagues right now, which is pretty crazy. Um, so he's definitely out there for some of the taken, maybe not in 15-team leagues, but 12 and below, he's out there. And like you said, if you need quarter infield help, you can do much worse. It, like, people just need to think of – I don't know if Joey Gallo is the right word because now he hits for batting average, but a Joey Gallo type where he's in it for a low average with tons of power. So something to target with there. Let's go to one that's really, really struggling to me. Um, I drafted him in a couple places this year. I'm a huge Chris Davis fan. I know there's always the joke about the consistency with him, what he does. And the most, the most, the thing I like the most about him, he hits over 40 home runs a year. 
Well, as you know, Nick, it's not quite happening this season. As he's got uh, six, he's got 16 on the year. He's hitting 232. He's been hurt a lot this year. He's playing through injuries a lot. Because like, if you look at his exit velocity and a lot of things he usually just jumps off the page with, none of it's there. When you've looked at his numbers and everything, what's your thoughts on Chris Davis? Yeah, but I, is it the nagging injury? Like he is, like you said, he's been such one of – he is very consistent. He's going to bat 247, and he's going to hit you 40-plus home runs. And, you know, his, you know, you look at his barrel rates from year to year, they are consistent. His exit velos off the bat are consistent. And this year is just monster outliers. And it's hard to believe that Chris Davis just suddenly everything that made him Chris Davis fell out of his game. He has a, he only has 16 home runs in 79 games. His ISO is 184, which is his career low by a lot. I think 232 is the next lowest. Uh, his 10.9% barrel rate is career low. Uh, it is basically, the last year was close to this low was 2015 when it was 14.7. Every other year in between there has been in the 17% rate. And now he's at, you know, not even 11%. His 89-mile-per-hour 89, 89 exit below is his lowest of his career. And it's, I don't know what's wrong with Chris Davis. Like he is, <laughs> I wrote up a, a, kind of a satirical piece uh, going into the season before I worked for anyone about, uh, about you can uh, pretty much figure out all statistics if you use his 247 batting average as a constant, because that's what it was, a constant, just like his 40 home runs. And just everything, it, it just feels like one of those things that we're going to, it's going to be the end of the season, he's going to have 25 home runs and end the season on the IL, and we're going to come to find out that he's got this wrong with him and this wrong with him. It's just, it's hard to believe that the skills change so dramatically, so quickly. Yeah, and that's the part I have trouble with is how did it just disappear so fast? Because even... That's why I want to say it's the the injuries. Like I know that's the the easy way out, but even early in the season, Japan, the first few weeks after Japan, he was crushing baseballs, and then all of a sudden it just like hit a wall and stopped. And that's where I I, I want to point to that. But like you said, you look at all of his you know exit velo, barrels, all that good stuff. It's not pretty. It's not pretty at all right now. So. Yeah, pretty concerning with Chris Davis. I don't know what, what to do with him. You can't drop him. He's still owned in like 97% of leagues, and you're not going to drop him because if he ever gets it right, he's a beast. But it's tough. I've, I've had uh, weeks where, at least in TGFBI, where you can do the half weeks. I've benched him at times. It's tough to do, but uh, it's part of the process. Yeah, I mean, he has one home run. You know, he hasn't had a home run since uh, June 17th. <laughs> that's, it is, that's not it is, the Chris Davis you and I know. <laughs> end of july yeah i think and and we have and we have juice baseballs like what is going on right now um i would love answers i need i need answers badly um let's let's go to cleveland when fabigan took place oscar mercado was kind of pushed off as the other guy like if you can't get the big boys well oscar mercado's there he's kind of the consolation prize well to the dismay and surprise of many he's been the most consistent Maybe best out of the bunch, one of the best, one of the top couple out of the bunch. Hitting 286, seven home runs and eight stolen bases over that stretch. He's homered three times in the last three games. Things are looking up for Mercado after a little bit of a slump there. 
Um, are you believing in Mercado the rest of the way, or is this just another hot streak from a young kid? Uh, I am believing in Mercado. Uh, he he came up. He's an old Cardinals farmhand, and I you know I I believed in him then. Uh, you know thought it was, always thought it was going to take a while for the tool to develop, but thought he was going to get a chance in Cleveland, and he has now for a variety of reasons. And like you said, he was kind of the forgotten guy uh, with you know. You know, in TDFBI, like when all all the hot prospects started coming in, and everyone's just opening their wallet and spending all their fab, and Mercado just kind of got left behind everyone. I I think that uh, I think that he got picked up in TDFBI for like five dollars, and he has rewarded patient owners. It's, it's it's been a little up and down, but the average has been mostly great since he came up. And I mean, his last week was, you know, a legendary week. You know, not legendary, but five for 13, three home runs, two stolen bases, uh, and just absolutely killing it. And he's got a he's got a 41% hard hit rate. That's really nice. His K rate is only 17%. Uh, he's getting on base. He's got some pops. He's got some stolen bases. And he doesn't really have anyone in Cleveland. Uh, you know, the Jordan Luplos and the aforementioned Jake that is doing anything to take his stuff. Yeah, no, it looks like it's his cha-cha to hold. And I, I like that they're actually giving him a shot because we've already talked about a few guys and there's many other young guys that they just kind of, once a slump happens, they get rid of him. And he, they could have done that, you know, about a week or so ago. Now he's finding it again, and the talent's there. I, I know everybody wanted him for the stolen bases, but the fact he's got seven home runs is uh, is really, really helpful. So he's going to help some – I wouldn't be shocked if he's on some uh, winning teams or you know top two or three teams in a lot of leagues come season's end. It's been hard to find stolen bases. We talked about it at the start of the show with uh, Alberto Mondesi. Stolen bases are sh- crazy down. I heard it like, on Rotowire or somewhere else the other day. They named off the top stolen base guys, and then just drops off big time. It's a weird year for stolen bases, to say the least. Let's go to Milwaukee. Lorenzo Kane. Many had high hopes for him. It was kind of a. It was wasn't like a horrible year, but it wasn't a Lorenzo Kane type year. He's still only hitting two fifty with six home runs. But you know, the last week or two, we're seeing more consistent quality at bats, more consistent games with hits. It looks like things might be turning around for Low Kane. Hopefully, the power comes along as well. Uh, what is your thoughts on Lorenzo Cain right now? Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, very, you know, disappointing uh, start to the year. He, I saw him, uh, I, don't, I don't have any shares of him this year, but I saw him as a very uh, low-risk option. Uh, you know, some numbers that you could bank on. Uh, you know, last year, he's got I'm sorry. He's got 10 home runs, you know, 90 RBIs, 30 stolen bases. That's what you're kind of looking for. You're expecting to get some pops, some runs scored on a powerful Milwaukee offense, and a lot of stolen bases in a world where people just don't steal bases anymore. And he has been disappointing. Only 11, only 11 stolen bases on the year, six home runs. He's got 51 runs scored. That's still really good uh, for this time of year and that offense. But like you said, he has been turning it around. Uh, more consistent contact. Uh, it, I'm I'm still not that big of a believer. Uh, he he's gotten some, he's gotten a lot more contact, but he hasn't been running nearly as much. 
Uh, he had three stolen bases, uh, like the last week of June, June 21st. Since then, he has one. Uh, you, you want a little bit more of that, even with the increase. Yeah, you know, he's got three multi-hit games in the past five. You hope that he's starting to wake up. And in that offense, wake up just a little bit and just a little bit more pop and start running a bit more, then all of a sudden you're starting to get some of that value out that you're expecting out of Kane. But uh, I don't know. I need to see a little bit more. I'd, I'd like to see a couple more weeks of some consistent hitting nights instead of the over five, over fours, one for five. Yeah, I'm with you. And um, the the Brewers lineup was on fire earlier this year. Been a little colder of late, so maybe if Kane gets going, the whole lineup gets going. It's not just Christian Yelich hitting his 75,000th home run of the season, and uh, we're we're good from there. So that'll be good. Uh, let's talk about a guy that, you know, he kind of, when you started mentioning Kane's numbers and what we expect from Kane, well, probably like 150 picks later or so, Ramon Laureano, people liked him as a sleeper this year. They saw the upside, but 19 home runs and 12 stolen bases on the year was probably a little more than people bargained for. That's outstanding. And if you go over the last, like, a little less than two weeks, last 12 games, he's hitting 405, five doubles, six homers, 16 runs scored. 14 RBIs, three stolen bases. He has a great glove in the outfield. This guy's doing it all right now. Should we be believing in this the rest of the way, or do you sell high on a guy like Ramon Mariano? I am a believer. Uh, for one, he's got, like, the best nickname in baseball with Laser Ramon. Uh, <laughs> absolute laser for an arm. Uh, some of those highlights have just been fantastic. And he, like you said, a, a popular sleeper, uh, so popular that he was taken far before I thought that I could maybe sneak him in. Uh, and to your point, he's kind of been what you expected when you drafted Lorenzo Kane, except I mean, 19 home runs is no one was expecting 19 home runs, uh, you know, uh, just past the all-star break. Uh, if you would have said 12 homers and 19 steals, I think people would have saw that more than the other way around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But no, he, the, the, the 19 home runs, 12 stolen bases, like, yeah, you're, you're getting the stolen bases you're expecting, and you're getting about, you know, 15 more home runs than you probably thought you were going to get at that point. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big believer. He's, uh, I, I'm a sucker for great uh, defensive outfielders. Uh, that's nice too, but you know, you you uh, you mentioned those numbers over the last twelve games. Even taking those numbers, even before that hot streak, you know, he has just he's been a five category contributor, and I I don't see much much signs of that changing. Yeah, it'll be fun to see where he goes in drafts next year because the, I could already see the hype train playing big on him, and I don't fault people because I think the talent is legit. But it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Just the A's, another young talent coming through the A system. Piscotty goes on the injured list. There's a chance he might not even come back this year. We just mentioned Chris Davis is struggling. Lariano steps up. The A's are making a run for the West again. It's like it's crazy what these guys just do out there year in and year out, even with the pitching staffs they always put out there. And that's a, a whole other podcast for another day, how Mike Fires and company are making it work. But uh, yeah. they're doing it some way, somehow. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about at the beginning of the show, because I haven't seen any information on it. I don't know if I've missed it somewhere or whatever, but like Matt Chapman left after the first inning yesterday. That didn't bode well, but there were no reports I saw anywhere on that. So 
keep an eye on that, everybody, because that that would really suck. I think Chapman's an absolute beast for years to come. That would be interesting. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on that one. Last piece of news or last player we have here. You wrote about him recently. Uh, he did not have a good outing his last time out. It was not ideal for Griffin Canning, but there's been a lot of good to go with a little bit of bad, which you expect from young pitchers, especially in this era of baseball. But overall, like I said, pretty solid stuff from Canning. Does like giving up the long ball. What's your outlook on Griffin Canning? What did you dive in and see with him? Uh, you know, uh, a, a rookie having a really nice year. Um, you know, he got some hype coming in uh, pre-call up. Got a lot of uh, a lot of fab attention in TGFBI. Uh, just how good he was going to be, and he he came up and has mostly performed. Uh, first eleven starts, striking out over a batter an inning, has a three seven nine ERA, all good. And then, like you said, has has run into some trouble since then. Uh, you know, since the beginning of June, and last his last time out a couple of days ago, got got knocked around, uh, left early, and you know. Past two starts, he, he pitched less than five innings. Not great. Uh, before that, he was very consistent with. He's a rookie. He's going to give you five or six, five or six good innings, and the strikeout rate is really nice. And probably is, you know, you hope is going to be his calling card going forward. You know, uh, getting creeping up to that, you know, ten Ks to nine mark. Uh, I the one probably my biggest concern is. I don't know how many innings they're going to let him pitch. Uh, he's already at, I think, between the minor leagues and majors, I think he's at uh, like 84, 85 innings. And he, across all levels last year, he pitched 113. So are the Angels cautious with him? Do they just keep letting him go? Those situations always really worry me as a fantasy player because you just don't know what you're going to get in the last crucial six weeks of the season. Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question with a lot of these guys right now. you got Canning, you got Paddock, who they've kind of babied the right way, but he's still he's already matched his total from last year on his first year back from TJ. Um, you know, the, the Rays, the way they're using Brendan McKay, so many of these young arms out there, we're going to see a lot of this kind of babying going on. So that's the big question for fantasy for sure. How do you uh, handle that as the season goes on? No question about it. All right, Nick, that wraps up what I have on the podcast. Do you have any final thoughts, any players that are on your mind right now? Uh, players, no. But just uh, going back to, you know, I was I was talking with some friends the other day, and uh, they know I write about baseball, and they're Cardinal Six fan fans, and they were, they were looking for some positive from old Nick about the Cardinals moving forward. You know, we're, we're not that far to the wild card. We're right there in the division race. And I just, I, I think Cardinals nation has some real cold water because <laughs> I mean, you look at their, you look at their numbers now and their offensive numbers are bad. They are taking the entire year into account. They are a bottom 10 offense. They have an 85 WRC plus. They have a 307 WOBA. But since June, they are the worst offense. Not not one of the worst offenses. They are the worst offense. They are last in WRC+, plus, last in WOBA, last in OPS, last in batting average, third from last in ISO. They, they are you know, they are down with the dread of, 
of the league and you know the Cardinals name brand is kind of getting is getting them by with people not noticing that. I've I've been recommending pitchers in DFS and uh, four year fantasy going against the Cardinals for a number of weeks now, and I don't think that's going to change unless they make some dramatic moves uh, trade wise, and that is just not their style. And with only one trade deadline this year, I, I you know. They're not going to get anybody through waivers. I just don't think they're going to use the cashing a lot of assets to get all the help that they really need to do something this year. Yeah, that's a scary thought. That's why I uh, I keep telling people that are Giants fans, I don't care that we're three games out of the wild card. Sell. Continue to sell. There's things that need to be done here. Even if they make the playoffs, we're not beating the big boys. Just realize that. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, that's why I kind of said earlier – it used to be every other year it was Cardinals and Giants taking down the the, the Indian National League there, and things were great. Now it's kind of a, a what's going on type of situation for the two of us these days. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I like your situation better though, considering your front office, your forward looking front office, and that's one of my bigger concerns with the Cardinals is that uh, they. You know, you go back all the way to the great Mosaic John, uh, yeah, and you know, and we we chose Mosaic, we shipped Luno out of there, and he has since built the most dominant progressive farm system in baseball, uh, that I don't think is changing. And the Cardinals have just kind of stagnated, and you know, they. I, I remember seeing going into spring training, there was uh, there was an article post dispatch about that they had finally got a rap soda machine. Uh, they did not know what they were going to do with it, was the quote, but they had one. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, look what we're doing. We're we're doing things too. And I just the the speed at which player development is increasing with teams that are doing it right like the Astros and the Rays and the Yankees. And it's, it's not just them anymore. It's starting to trickle down to all the other teams. And then you have the teams at the bottom that are stuck in the old ages, like the Cardinals who have all, there's all these tools available for player development and pitching development. And the Cardinals seem to just be sticking to Cardinal way. We're going to develop players that way. And that's how we're going to do it. And I just, I, I think we're getting lapped and not yet in player development, but I, I think it's coming. Yeah, that's, that's a very scary situation to be in because uh, I've had that talk with some other guys, the way certain teams are embracing the changes and, and the evolution of how to uh, play the game like Rapsodo and many other new tools out there and how there's a lot of teams that still aren't even grasping them at all. So it's very scary that some teams still live in a world where they're not taking advantage of these new tools to make everything bigger and better. And I don't, I don't know why. I really can't wrap my head around why. Besides, like you said, the the guys at the top don't want to go there. So, yeah, uh, yeah we I, we we live in a world where we have the tools, and it's not some esoteric knowledge that only a few have. Yeah. Like, these are things that we, these are things that we know. We know that you know if me and you know about all the tools available and know about all the data available from Statcast and other places, they do too. And it's just it's frustrating to see front offices just out of stubbornness or misguided beliefs in the old system, but see all these great tools and say, nah. 
yeah, our way works. Florida's going to go with the eye test. It's okay. Don't you worry about it. But uh, sadly, there's a lot. There's there's more teams than there should be that are doing that, and uh, it's not just the Cardinals. But I know what you're saying there because it is quite surprising that our, uh, teams aren't adapting to these these wonderful opportunities. That's for darn sure. But all right, Nick, we got to wrap it up for tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Before we take off again, let everybody know where they can find your work and where you're at on Twitter. Yeah, so on Twitter, I am at not Burt Reynolds. That's N-T underscore Burt Reynolds. I think if you type Burt Reynolds into the search bar, it will probably come up. Uh, I said I write for Brad Johnson's Patreon page. He's a writer at Fangraphs, uh, and he quite I would lead with him because he is quite literally the only reason that we are talking right now. Uh, he gave me a chance to write some whimsical things and then uh, gave me the encouragement to go seek other things and open those doors for me. Uh, and then also writing at rotorballer.com. I do, uh, started with the waiver wire write-ups. I do some one-off articles. You mentioned I did one with, uh, did one on Jack Flaherty recently. Uh, and then I'm also just took over their a weekly head-to-head category streamers article. It comes out every Friday. Just looking at, looking at a couple guys for each category. You might want to stream for the coming week. And then I think I'm, I'm also going to be starting to do some news desk shifts with them uh, throughout the week. And then also pictureless.com. Uh, Nick Pollock and the boys, as it were. I think you've had a couple of them on here before. Uh, just a, a, a great website, a great community. Uh, I have only written one thing for them so far, uh, uh, 3,500 words about Dylan Bundy. Uh, I'm going to have uh, another piece coming out shortly. And then uh, – Looks like I'm going to be getting into some of their dynasty content too. That's uh, I like I like dynasty strategy quite a bit. But uh, yeah, as I'm sure you know, PitcherList is a, a really great website. A lot of smart people that make me feel a lot less smart. But <laughs> a, a great environment for learning. I have learned so much in the very short amount of time that I've been there, and it's uh, really great. Yep, I 100% agree with that picture list comment. Uh, I tell people there's a reason I have a lot of their writers on my show because I learned so much from just listening to them go down their uh, rabbit hole of how they found the stats and everything. They're, they're a different breed over there, but they're awesome. They're a very, very great website for uh, minds that do appreciate the new stats and everything of fantasy baseball. And Rota Baller does great work as well. So, uh, Nick, it was a pleasure having you on. We'll have to do this again sometime, but it was great to get to chat with you for the first time tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Bubba. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I will come back anytime and just love talking baseball with you. That was fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll definitely do it again. But for now, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 190 with the not Burt Reynolds from PitcherList and Rotoballer.com. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.